What a wonderful opportunity we have next week, Lord willing, to participate. Can you believe it? It's 17 grand to build a whole new church building. It costs a little bit more in these parts, doesn't it? You may recall. So let's, uh, let's take care of that next week and uh, let's bless this congregation. And can they sing or what? And what beautiful singing. Uh, wonderful. Thank you for your support thus far and let's continue to support them. Jesus is my king. Jesus is my king. This whole book of Colossians is all about identifying who Jesus is. The identity of Jesus. In fact, probably the most important question you ever have to answer in this world and the life that you have is who is Jesus? Because how you respond to that question is going to make all the difference, not only in this life, but in the life to come. And if you've never asked that question, you're being asked that question again this morning. Who is Jesus? Now, we heard from that call to worship that this, this pastor reminded us he's our king. And he reminded us as well, well, there's a whole lot of kings in the world, a whole lot of governors, a whole lot of legislatures, but there's only one king, matchless king. Who is Jesus Christ? Some people say, well, he was a good man. Some people say he was a good teacher, which he was. An excellent rabbi. People had all kind of <clears throat> identities for Jesus Christ. And, and some people say, well, he's a savior, but he was just one of many saviors. <clears throat> and you can kind of take your pick. Pick whatever savior you would like, because there's any number of saviors that can lead you to God and assure you of eternal life. That's called pluralism. Many roads to God. Who is Jesus? And what is it that sets Jesus Christ apart from anyone and anything else in the whole world? Especially when it comes to your salvation. We've been studying this, this theme of the supremacy of Christ. Jesus is all we need. And what is it that sets Jesus apart? Follow along if you wish. Or listen as I read from Colossians 1, 15 to 23. Probably the most Christological section of God's word, which tells us who Jesus is. And, and you need to just bask in these words, because these verses just remind us that Jesus is unlike anyone else who ever lived. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23, these words, the Son, now speaking of Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things were created. Oh, you mean Jesus was there at the beginning of the world, the preexistence of Jesus Christ? Absolutely. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. Boys and girls, Jesus lived before he was born a baby in this world. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all the fullness dwell in him, and through him 
to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now listen what our lives were like, and maybe some of your lives are still like listening this morning. He says, listen, once you were alienated from God, and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now, see, things have changed. He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death and to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The book of Colossians, the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Jesus is all we need. When I read those words as I read these with you this morning, I, I keep thinking about, and I can't remember what pastor it was, but I, I read a message on it probably three, three months ago or so. And he talked about the incomparable Christ. I just want that to sink into your minds a moment. Jesus Christ as the incomparable Christ. And, and these first number of verses, huh? verses, uh, verses 15 to 20 or so, it, it talks about Jesus as, well, it's lots of his credentials. Some of you have a resume. Some of you hand that in when you, when you apply for a certain job, and there's certain qualifications that, that, that someone is looking for in you. This is probably the most succinct arrangement of Jesus' credentials and qualifications in Scripture. If somebody asks the question, who is Jesus? You say, oh, let's turn to Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. Each one of these is a sermon in itself. As I was dividing up Colossians and determining how long we wanted to spend in this letter, when I got to this point, I said, wow, I, we could talk about each one of these. How's he, he's the invisible God, the firstborn, uh, created all things through him, all things created. He was before all things. He's the head of the body of the church. And it goes on and on and on, speaking about Jesus being the most qualified person in the world who ever lived to meet the requirements that God had for us to be saved. And when you, when you hear these verses read, or when you read to themselves, you just have to sit back and take it in and just, just get it in your heart, get it in your mind. This is Jesus. This is who he is. No surprise that he's the most qualified person to be the savior of the world. Jesus exalted over all, beyond comparison, incompar incomparable, uh, without equal, matchless. I think we sang that in one of the songs. Matchless in glory. Pick the words that you want, incomparable, matchless, unequaled. This is Jesus. And I challenge you to compare him to any other person who claims to be a savior of the world. I challenge you to find someone who has the credentials that Jesus Christ has. Did you notice in verses 19 and 20 that after hearing these, this list of credentials, it says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him, and this is what I'm going to be talking about this morning, 
Through him, keyword, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through blood on the cross. That the reconciliation of this world, now Paul deals about that in Ephesians 2, between Gentiles and Jews being reconciled. The kind of reconciling that we're going to talk about this morning is the kind of reconciliation that God makes with the world at large, people including you and me. I want to focus on the truth and simply ask the question, what peace had to be made? What was the problem here? What was the problem with us? What was the problem with this world? What peace had to be made and what does the blood of Jesus has to do with it? What anybody's blood do? Or is it the blood of Jesus Christ that makes all the difference in the world? Paul reminds us uh, in this passage as we now go to verses 19 to the end of this section that before becoming Christians, Paul reminds us that there was a time when our lives were anything but good lives. That our lives were, were apart from Jesus Christ in every way. Now, even if you were born into a Christian family, which a lot of you were, you still are born into a life that is apart from Christ. Just because you have a Christian father, mother, or grandfather, or grandmother is not going to get you into heaven. You need to come to an understanding as you grow, even if born into a Christian home, that you have a life that's, that's lived apart from Christ and you need to do something about it or somebody needs to do something about it. Verse 21 says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies. Oh, that almost hurts. You were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Think about alienation. Alienated from God, separated from God, estranged, living in a hostile relationship. Some of you have a hostile relationship with people either in your neighborhood, people you work with, or other. You know what hostility is. This passage reminds us that once we were alienated, separated, in a hostile relationship with God, even to the point of being called enemies of God. And until you come to that realization in your own life, you don't have much hope for what happens after this life. And if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your only Lord and Savior, guess what? You're still an enemy of God. An enemy of God. And of ungodly behavior that you have in your minds. Think about it for a moment. Do we still live in a world that, that lives like enemies of God? Just, just think, even what happened over the past several weeks, is this world an enemy of God? Um, filled with violence? A world that is filled with sin? A world that is filled with hate crimes? A world that is filled with mass shootings and they never seem to cease? That's the kind of world we live in. It's hostile towards godliness and holiness. Paul speaks about this later in Colossians, and we're going to be getting into these verses uh, in a few weeks, Lord willing. Listen to what he says about a world that has been hostile to God, and speaking now again to these Christians in Colossae. He says, listen, you need to put to death, therefore, Colossians 3, verses 5 through 8, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Now, we all need to listen up, because it's all too easy for us to nurse these things that are going to be mentioned. 
We don't try to put them to death. We kind of nurse them along because they bring us too much pleasure. Put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Well, there's that term, the wrath of God. God gets angry, and he has a righteous anger that's going to be met someday. And you're going to face it if you don't have Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He says, listen, you used to walk in these ways the life you once lived. This is a person who's living outside of Christ. You used to live that way. But now, he said, you must rid yourselves of all of these things, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self and its practices. Lives once alienated, separated from God. And this is a problem that each one of us faces when we come to a knowledge of that in this life. And there's a problem. And maybe some of you are struggling with this problem right now. Maybe somebody who's listening this morning. We got a problem. Without Christ, we're God's enemies. How do we fix it? I'm always told from certain people that I don't know why, if it's especially men, a gender thing or what, but they have to fix, they always want to fix the problem rather than talk about their problem and deal with it with other people. We're in this fix-it stage. I think I can fix this. We have a problem with God. We're enemies, and I want that fixed. Somehow that's got to be fixed. I want to get back into a relationship with God because I don't like what I'm hearing about that I'm his enemy. Something has to be done about it. And the truth is we're unable to fix it. You can, you can put all the good works out that you would like. You can try to please God in every way in the life that you live. But if you don't do it through Jesus Christ, you're wasting your time. we got to fix it, and, and the thing is that we can't fix it. And if you leave it alone and just say, well, you know, I'm an enemy of God. Yeah, so what? You know, I'll live again. And guess what? You won't live again. Uh, but I read another one of uh, Jonathan Edwards' messages a while back. Uh, you've heard, some of you have heard of it. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. Guess what? As much as people don't like hearing about hell, they love hearing about heaven. But you need to know a life that is lived apart from Christ is going to give you a life in hell. Hell does exist. It's real. And anyone who lives apart from Christ, that's where you go when you die. And you got to hear it and you got to know that. And probably we don't preach that enough. Everybody doesn't go to heaven. If you live apart from Jesus Christ, that's where your destiny is. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, and now I'm going to share with you a few passages because you'll find this theme similar to Paul's other letters in Ephesians and to the church in Rome as well. Listen how Paul says that in these other places. He says, listen, Ephesians 2, verse 12. Remember that at one time you two were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners in the covenants of promise. You were without hope and without God in this world. And maybe that's some of you this morning. There's a lot of people here who have hope in Jesus Christ, and there's a lot of people here who are not enemies of God anymore. But there may be somebody listening this morning who says, well, I'm not so sure that I have that hope. And Pastor Jim, I, boy, the way what I'm hearing from God's word this morning, I just might be that person who, who I'm an enemy of God, and I don't like to hear that. 
And, and if I don't change that, or if that's not changed in some way, my future does not look too promising, especially in the life that is to come. What can be done? What, what can I do? I want this fixed, and I'm hearing that I can't do it. And really, you should be asking the question, how do I get peace with God? If I'm his enemy, there's, we're at each other's, you know, like this. Is there a peace that I can have some, through someone, some, something, maybe that I can't do? I'd like to have that peace, and I would like that assurance that when I meet God someday and stand before him in judgment, he's not going to say, no, you're one of my enemies. Not allowed. Not allowed in. What's this peace that I hear about in Christianity? And this is just the, the beauty of who our God is, because it just tells us about the character of God, not just God the Son, Jesus Christ, uh, but God the Father, right? There's this love, this, this unconditional kind of love that he has. And he reaches out to us in Jesus Christ, and he reaches out to us in, in this one who had come to the cross. God's grace takes the initiative. He could have left us all where we were at. He could have left us without a Savior and had every right to do that. Understand that. God did not owe us a thing. Not a thing. But being who he is, his very character, he says, listen, I so love this world that I'm going to send Jesus and that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Uh, he talks about that kind of of a relationship and, the, and, the, and the, the importance of the cross of Jesus Christ and what happened on the cross. Uh, we read about this as well in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. Listen. But now Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, you who are far away from him have been brought near. How? By my good works. By something that I did know. Brought near by the blood of Christ. And then this powerful, it, it's, if, if you're a new Christian or just getting to know who Jesus is, the book of Romans is really difficult to read. But, but you've got to hear how Paul describes this in, in Romans. And, and in Romans chapter 5, uh, he says it in this way. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, if I put my faith in Jesus Christ, I'm given peace from God. I don't have to worry about what's coming. And then going to verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us. And I read this because God's word can say it better than I can. God demonstrates his own love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have been justified, how? By his blood, how much more shall we be saved from his wrath? For if while we were God's, here it is, enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more have you been reconciled should we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received, here's that word, reconciliation. Things have been made right. And as a result of that, Romans 8 verse 1 tells us, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You don't have to stand accused before God because Jesus Christ took the rap for us. I want to make sure we're listening to this this morning because this is so, so very important in how you view your relationship with Jesus Christ. You're not going to go to heaven because you've been good. If anybody tells you that, it's a lie. You go to heaven because of the goodness of Jesus Christ. This is what the blood sacrifice was all about. 
when you stand before God someday and, and, if, and if God or someone says, why should God let you into heaven today? And you can say, well, I've been pretty good, at least better than my neighbor. He says, no, that's not good enough. <laughs> there's nothing you can do. There's no life that you can live on your own where you're good enough to live with God in eternity. This is what the cross and what the blood of Jesus Christ was all about. This whole matter of being reconciled to God. Let me go through these verses a moment. Reconciled in Christ. Reconciled in who? Well, there's a lot of saviors in the world. There's a lot of kings in the world. There's a lot of people who can make me right with God. That's not what the Bible teaches. This is a church that is a Bible-believing church. You need to trust someone and something where truth is found. In the Word of God, the Bible is the ultimate truth. And there we know we are reconciled only in Christ, and as we just sang, in Christ alone. Again, one author says it like this, as we're hearing this morning. The incomparable riches of God's grace. And I'm going to add to that. The incomparable riches of God's grace are given to us through the incomparable Christ. Wow. The incomparable riches of God's grace are given to us in the incomparable Christ. Just let that sink in. You say... Oh, Jesus, the supremacy of Christ, Jesus is all we need. Are you starting to get this as you go through this book together? That's the common theme that keeps coming back. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. That being said and heard, let me challenge you uh, uh, just in three ways this morning as we bring this message to a close. Just three simple challenges, but so very important challenges. In fact, verse 23 of this passage gives us one of them. He says, listen, Paul says, if you continue in your faith, and that's not a question of whether they were going to, the point was they, they were, he said, it's kind of a challenge, continue in your faith. Stand firm in what you believe. Put your hope in the true gospel because there's no other hope that you can put your hope in. Continue in that way. And he says this, as we've learned earlier, we're hearing again, that there are many false teachings in the, in the church in Colossae. And there are many false teachings that we face today. He says, you keep your faith, continue in the faith, stand firm in the faith. When you have false teachers come and try to tell you other things than what the gospel teaches, turn away from it, don't go to it. There's only one true gospel, and that's in Christ alone. Stay in the word, read the word, stay in the word, read the word. It will keep you from floating over to false gospels. If you're a Christian, stand firm in the faith. A second challenge to Christians this morning is this whole matter of, of reconciliation. I love this passage in 2 Corinthians 5. We have a few verses up there this morning. Let me read you these five or six verses because this really sums up, again, as he writes to the church in Corinth, that same message. Paul says, listen, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. All this is from God who what? Reconciled to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. If you don't have Christ, guess what? Your sins are going to be counted against you. And he has committed now to us, okay, here's the church's mandate, the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become 
the righteousness of God. Did you hear that in that passage? We hear about ambassadors from the United States going all over the world to be ambassadors. God says, listen, church, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, we as a church and you as an individual, you are an ambassador of God, an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And the message that you bring is a message of reconciliation to God. Another way to say that, we hear the terminology, you bring the message of you need to get right with God. Because if you do not get right with God before you die in this world, you're going to have big problems. You're going to have big problems. And guess what? There aren't second chances after you die. You've got to get right with God in this world, but you can't do it on yourself. God says, I'll take care of the problem. I'll send Jesus. Jesus, our only hope. The third challenge this morning is simply for uh, anyone here or listening this morning who still now maybe sees yourself as an enemy of God. And some hear that, they know that, they go on living as they wish, and they die without hope, without Christ, without eternal life. Uh, maybe you're listening this morning and you say, you know, Pastor Jim, I... I'm afraid I'm, I'm one of those people that is still an enemy of God because I have not accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And now I hear from Scripture this morning that he's the only way that I can have peace to make peace with God is through him. I've got, I've got to get this notion out of my head that I'm going to go to heaven because I have a lot of good works or I'm going to go to heaven because the false gospel says everybody is saved, universalism. He says, I hear this morning that if I don't have this this peace with God that I can get through Jesus, I do not literally have a prayer when I die. And the message is simply, as, as Paul uh, went to the church in Corinth, he says, listen, what you need to do then is to be reconciled with God. We're going to have a prayer leader up here in a few moments. And you can say, Pastor, I'm one of those people. What do I need to do? What did I hear this morning? I want to get right with God. I don't want to be his enemy because it doesn't sound like a very good future if I'm an enemy of God. Uh, this prayer person can pray with you and to say, Jesus can receive you this morning. This is what's amazing about God's grace. It doesn't matter if you've been an enemy of God your whole life. When you, when you come to Jesus and, and when you come to God and say, Lord, Wow, I want that. I want peace with you. I get it now. I'm hearing it. I get it. I want that kind of peace. Would you receive me? And, and you might be the greatest enemy God has ever had. You know what the good news is? <laughs> Jesus says, you come to me. I'll, I'll take you just as you are. All, all I'm looking for is your, your, your own testimony of I need you. I'm lost without you. I want peace with God. And God says, you come to me with that kind of humility and surrender, you're in. And guess what? This is, I'm going to be talking more about this in a few weeks. You're going to have equal status with God. Just as equal status as someone who's known Jesus from the day they were born. Equal status. All because of what God's done in Jesus Christ. So let be the challenge for those of us this morning who still know that they're an enemy of God and need to do something about it. Be reconciled to God. And then join us here as we walk together. Because the Christian life is like this. Good days, bad days, good days. That enemy still makes its, its, its presence known, right? You have good days and bad days. But because of Jesus Christ, it's all good. That's what the blood of Christ has done for us. And you too can receive Christ today. And go to, night, go to bed tonight, maybe for the first time, with a peace that you've never experienced before. 
All because of Jesus, the supremacy of Christ. Jesus is all we need. He reconciled the world, and he reconciled you to have peace with God. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, make us aware of all the false gospels that exist, even in our culture, as they did in the church in Colossae. That, that, that people would actually think they need something more than Jesus to be saved. Forgive us if we slide in that direction, that, uh, that slippery slope. For those of us who are Christians, give us that, that surety and hope that we have in Jesus Christ, that things are okay. Uh, Satan can no longer convict us or accuse us of our sins in such a way that we fear not being able to go to heaven someday. That's been taken care of. Our righteousness is in Jesus Christ, and we praise you for that. And for those who you still call to yourself, who are tugging at, at, at the, the heartstrings of our heart, may they surrender as well and, and have a peace that passes understanding like they've never had before. And we pray for your Holy Spirit to work in that regard. In Jesus' name, everyone's saying, amen.